When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martinez. The leaves are falling. The pumpkin spice is here. That's right. My wife is finally making me bring up all the boxes full of our winter clothing. Because Halloween is near. Technically, it's the last week of September. But if you're an SPC fan, you know that the closer we get to October, the more we want to go ahead and just amp it up a little bit more. I start spooky season a little early. Can I do you any more? That's right. We're covering Werewolf by Night, issue one, to kick off the Halloween season. Mark and I intended on um, having kind of a theme throughout the year. We would cover, um, you know, just everything under the sun for like January until the summer. And then we were kind of like, well, let's do a summer series where we just kind of do a bunch of, you know, funny goofball episodes. And uh, I I don't remember when we started. I think it was our first year that we started doing Spooktober uh, way back in 2020. That was a lot of fun. And we were like, you know, let's just go ahead and keep it going. So for December of 2020, we did Death December, where we covered some of the most gruesome uh, and just heinous, just ugly deaths in comic book history. We covered the death of Superman. We covered all the craziness that came with um, Infinity Gauntlet and a few other deaths. We covered the death of Captain America. I mean, sad stuff, but it was you know, it was with the theme. And, and then last year was really fun. We went ahead and did. Um, what did we do? We we did we did like three parts of Crisis on Infinite Earths. One of our best performing series of episodes go back that's um i think it's like f- close to five hours of mark and i breaking down the giant uh dc event to end all events which sparked a whole bunch of other events but that was fun so i thought you know we didn't really coordinate much for for october but it's just a given um you know, a lot of my favorite books, a lot of my top rated books here on the Second Brick Comics podcast are all horror books in one way or another. So I thought, you know, I'll just go ahead and make an executive decision since it's just, you know, me, myself and I right now. We're going to go ahead and start the Halloween season 
right now, and October hasn't even started, but I don't care because the cold air is here. So sit back, relax, put the kids away, feed the plants, water the dog, do what you need to do. Uncle Remzo is here. Before I go any further, I want to go ahead and thank everybody um, who is a patron of the Second Break Comics podcast. You keep it going. You know that between moves and life events and job losses and new jobs and Mark had to escape Mexico only to be trapped in a hurricane and me having to do stuff. I mean, you're, you're all very patient and you take care of us and we hope we take care of you. We've been continuing our She-Hulk recaps. We're going ahead and by the time you're listening to this, we're having another journey into mystery call for our $15 a month and up patrons. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be just uh, catching up on our Remzo versus the DCEU series. I went ahead and got back from an emergency trip uh, from Maryland about a week ago. So I want to go ahead and thank again everybody who sent their thoughts and prayers for that. And I'll be covering um, you know, Remso versus the DCEU over on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash secondprintpod. If you're brand new, we go ahead and we have meetups. We have our private Second Print Comics fan zone group. We give away um, gra- hardcover graphic novels. We do so much. And uh, we recently had... Um, you know, our, our producer episodes at our Kirby club level at $50 a month and more. So if you want to go ahead and get in on more of the second print comics action, especially as spooky season is here, go ahead and check us out and see everything we're about at patreon.com slash second print pod. So I wanted, I, I look, we, Mark and I have a list and on this list it's all the books we want to go ahead and cover. And about, I want to say six months ago, we had actually basically completed our initial list of the stuff we had put down from 2020 when we first started. Way under back. Feels like a million bat years, um, you know, because we're, we're in a Batman world, so everything's going to be batty because it's, it's Halloween. See, I'm trying to cram all the, all the puns I possibly can, but... Um, I, I had a lot of Blade in there, had a little bit of Ghost Rider, and Werewolf by Night uh, fell into the Moon Knight category. We were I was going to cover that in January, but we pushed it down a little bit to coincide with the Moon Knight limited series on Disney+. And now it just so happens that we're getting Werewolf by Night this month. It's going to be a, a MCU special appearing on Disney+. I'm really excited to go ahead and watch and review that for the patrons, but... Um, this coincides with it. And I love, you know, I, I, I love very little about MCU phase four. Let, let's just go ahead and lay it out. But MCU phase five. So phase four ends with it ends with Wakanda forever. And phase five, I think, starts with secret invasion. I, I may or may not be correct. Phase five is moving towards the multiverse saga. But within that, while we're dealing with Kang the Conqueror and many others, we're also dealing with the with what I consider the birth of the real horror element of Marvel Comics. We're talking a potential route down to the spirits of vengeance. We might be getting a Johnny Blaze and Robbie Reyes Ghost Rider if, in fact, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show is canon, which, Ryan, I'm sorry if you're listening to this, my brother Ryan, who I think is the most diehard Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, I don't think it's canonical. Marvel certainly doesn't seem to treat it that way, but we've been surprised before. Um, so Ghost Rider, a Ghost Rider, 
Blade, Mahershala Ali, brilliant casting. I loved him as Coppermouth and season one of Luke Cage. I'm excited to see him uh, come into the big screen as Blade. I think that's tremendous casting. Um, Werewolf by Night, which is getting his own Halloween special this October. And if I'm missing anyone, Doctor Strange, obviously, that's a given. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be fun. Maybe we might get Morbius if Disney decides to finally kill Sony and pick all the IP from its grave and bring <laughs> Morbius into a universe where he could be respected and where everyone knows that it's Morbin time. But anyway, I thought, you know, the timing is perfect. There might as well be a full moon outside right now. Let's go ahead and jump into the very first issue of Werewolf by Night from 1972. And this is written by Paul Jenkins, the penciler, because if Mark were here, he would want everybody to get the credit, is Leonardo Manco, the colorist, is uh, uh, a third-party contractor. They hired Hi-Fi Design for this. They also had uh, Mary Javins as the colorist, Janice Chung as the letterer, uh, John John Costanza, no, that's not. Yeah, John Costanza is the letter and Ralph Macchio, not the Karate Kid, as the editor for this. And I love the preview alone. I, I just think of it in like that 1950s sci-fi horror voice for, you know, movies like Plan B from no Plan 9 from Outer Space. If, if you haven't seen that movie, you need to waste some moments of your precious life to go watch it. OK, let's get in the mood. In the mood, in the mood. Jack Russell, a.k.a. the werewolf by night, befriends Buck Cowan. But can Jack and his new friends and his sister, Lisa... No, I can't read. Sorry. A a better podcaster would edit this. Instead, you're stuck with me. But can Jack save his new friend and his sister, Lisa, from the stone-cold stare of Marlene Blackgar? All that and more in this issue of Werewolf by Night. Dun-dun-dun! We'll go ahead and jump into this. I want to go ahead and start off with um, the cover for this. Um, so this is not the first appearance of Werewolf by Night. I think he had appeared in another series prior, but this is him in his own magazine. Um, I don't think it was Tales of Suspense. It was something else. But anyway, just on just off the bat, Werewolf by Night has become more werewolf-like over the years. But when he appears in this issue he looks very much like well i would consider the universal monsters version he's got the canine like features with the teeth and with the ears and with his fur and everything but he still looks very humanoid and they're going for the full out um horror lore let's call it that way you see him in the alleyway and he's stalking these two people who you know this couple they're on a loving date and the guy is like sheesh this whole place is a doll city tonight, baby. And she's like, yeah, I sure wish something would happen, anything. Well, be careful what you wish for, because there's a werewolf around the corner. Full moon rise, werewolf kill. Back when they actually used to put words under, you know, the title to really, really sell it. Anywho, werewolf by night. So we go ahead and open the first page, and this issue is titled Eye of the Beholder. And you have bit of a bit of a monologue going on to start you see this werewolf just like lurking through what appears like a cemetery or something and the monologue starts i felt fear in my life gut clenching terror moments when i sensed my very life slipping away get never as intense as this never so cold so brutal 
With a glance, the mutant girl had turned my limbs to stone, my nerves and muscles to lifeless ice, and yet, through some nightmarish twist, I still thought, Lord in heaven, help me, I could still think. So, off the bat, the werewolf by night, Jack Russell, which would make him a Jack Russell Terrier werewolf, if you want to go on that route of logic, has been turned to ice by, has been turned to uh, stone by a mutant. And he's still trying to figure out, like, what, what am I? Am I dead? Am I alive? What's going on? Stone. I'd become a statue as motionless as those others who decorated the garden path. Others I'd seen brief hours before, but hadn't recognized as men. Just as I wouldn't be recognized as something which once, once breathed, walked, lived. I was frightened, so, in my fear, turned to my memories. I recalled how I'd arrive at Blackgar's private island, searching for a book called The Darkhold, which was rightfully mine, inheritance from my natural father. My father, a European scholar, an aristocrat, and more, a warlock and werewolf, now dead, and left me another inheritance as well. The curse of a werewolf born. Funny, the curse seemed uh, unimportant just then, and yet... Had it been the curse which brought me here to recover the dark hold from miles of uh, from miles Blackgar, who had been my who bought my father's castle and had it shipped from Europe to the coast of Western America? First off, you gotta love early Silver Age era comic book logic. If you have a castle in Europe, go ahead, take it apart brick by brick, and ship it to America. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how it worked then. I mean, we can't even build bridges now, yet Roman aqueducts in Italy are still working thousands of years later. Maybe it's a thing, but that just kind of caught me. Miles Blackgar, whose daughter was a mutant Gorgon, whose eyes had made me stone. She, she is the one I must kill. She who keeps me from the forest. Then something odd began. To occur, a wave of heat swelled over me, melting the thin ice in my veins. My head spun. Something caught, my, uh, something caught at my stomach and pulled it, cut through me, releasing me. And suddenly I saw the sun. The sun was rising. And I love it. This is a lot like what we saw in uh, the first few issues of the 1970s, Moon Knight. You see this in a lot of Silver Age books. I call it like this... This this like it, it's not it's not Jack Kirby, but it's Jack Kirby esque in terms of how they will go ahead and put characters in situations where it looks like it's otherworldly. You see a lot of that Doctor Strange dotage and uh, you know swirl of colors to emphasize that you know they're not in the physical world, but you're inside the mind of the character. It's just that 1970s cool that doesn't translate much into today's comics. I think a lot of them have really left that, but here it just looks so pulpy and it's just, it's just awesome. You have to go ahead and look at these. I mean, colors just don't appear the same. And obviously this is, this is digitally remastered, but I mean, it's still just, just beautiful, just beautiful. Anyway, he has basically turned from a, uh, a werewolf who was then turned into stone back to being a man, flesh and blood. I swayed, my knees trembling, giving way. I must have passed out for the next thing I knew. 
And you see uh, Jack Russell, he's on the floor and this guy runs over. and He's like, Jack, good Lord, boy, what in heaven's name? Are you all right, Jack? And Jack is getting up and he's just like, ah, oh, it's so loud, like a train's roaring through my skull. Give me a second to catch my breath. And this uh, redheaded guy and Jack is like, sure, kid, take your time. Easy. I looked all over this place for you, Jack. How are you? And Jack is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened. He's like, didn't I tell you, Buck? I'm a master of disguise. Oh, I, I guess he doesn't know that his friend is a werewolf. So Buck is like, come on, Jack, be serious. You had me worried, boy. And for an old publisher such as Buck Cowan, that's a quite a triumph. Feel like walking, Mr. Russell? Yes, briefly. Uh, little Mr. Cowan, at least as far as the house. You mean you found it? You found the dark hold? My heart was racing when we reached the library, but by then I'd figure an answer as to why I wasn't still stone. In some way, I couldn't understand the metamorphosis from beast to man had broken Marlene's spell, freeing me. So basically, the spell that this mutant had basically used to turn him into stone, it only captures him in his werewolf form. So by the time the sun rises, it goes ahead and basically voids the the stone because he's still a werewolf and it turns it back into human. And I don't know if that makes sense, but that's basically what happened. Um, anyway, what we see is that they're in this mansion. It, lo- it looks like it's this mansion castle. It's totally in shambles and stuff. Um, Russell and Buck hear a voice, and next thing you know, they look down and they see Marlene Blackgar, and I guess it's her father, Miles. And um, you-, you see her standing there with him in a wheelchair, and you, you see this other guy. I, don't- I-, I mean, I don't know if he's a monster or what. And uh, at this point, I guess they figured out that Jack has stolen the Darkhold. And Marlene is like, gone? What do you mean the book's gone? I saw it in the library only an hour ago. It must be there, you fool. And you see this, like, mongoloid person. He's like, not there. Strug looked. Only scent. Scent like before the st- when Strug killed Garth. A scent? Ah, so our friend's escaped, has he? How unfortunate for our dear Mr. Russell. How very unfortunate for him. And Russell hears that, and he's just like, shit, I can't be turned into a freaking stone person statue again. That would suck. I'd heard that tone before, but not in Marlene, but in her father just before I attacked him as a werewolf. And it was a tone of madness. I love the writing in this. I mean, how they go ahead and write his full inner monologue is just so Victorian horror. I mean, this screams of like Mary Shelley, um, Frankenstein or Bram Stoker's Dracula and how they're really just hamming it up here in comic form. I love it. You hear that, Buck? That means now we move now. As we race towards the sheltered cove on the island's eastern shore, Buck explained how he twisted a few arms to borrow a seaplane. I barely heard him. My heart was pounding too loud. The pilot stared at us as we ran. Buck silenced his questions with a few curt words. We clambered aboard, and in another minute, we were off. So luckily, they, they've escaped the island, and this pilot knows not to ask questions. Now, Jack, I want you to start from the beginning and take your time. I feel, I've got a feeling we're going to be in this for a while. You're a writer, Mr. Cowan, and if I were you, I would get ready to take some notes. When I'm done, I might need them. I finished the story two hours later, omitting parts concerning my bestial alter ego. Um, and what you see is that they're in Venice Boulevard, and um, you've got... Buck and Jack just 
you know, back home, trying to go over everything once again. Kid, you're a wonder. How'd I ever get tangled up with you anyhow? I assume the question's rhetorical, Mr. Cowender. Do you I have to remind you about a certain case of trespassing? Ouch! Let the f- let's forget all about that, okay, Jack? Read anything interesting yet? Nothing. It's in Latin. So Jack is reading the Darkhold, trying to obtain some secrets from it. Um, let me see. I used to study classics in college. Neat stuff you've got here, Jack. Your old man's quite a scholar. Better than my stepfather, Buck. Phil Russell's one of the original anti-intellectuals. Guess that's why you're, that, Guess that's why he sold your father's castle when your mother died, huh? You got it, Buck. He always hated seeing Lisa and me. Oh, great. What's wrong, Jack? Lisa, my sister, she must be worried sick. Poor kid, she's always looked up to me. Really needs me now, now that mom's gone. And you're never there. You'd better call her. I'm way ahead of you, Buck. Lisa, Lisa, hun, I'm... Oh, wait, Lisa? Jack, is that you? Are you all right? Me? I'm, I'm fine, but what about you? I'm, I'm okay, Jack, just... I, I need to see you. I need to talk to you. Hey, is, is there something wrong? And then you see Lisa on her end, and I, I love this one square. It's not even a big um, panel in here, but you see this a shadow of a man looming over her. This is some straight-up stuff from Scream. This is awesome. This is very reminiscent of the shower scene from Psycho. Uh, with Jamie Lee Curtis's mom, where the guy, where you know, where Norman Bates pulls open the shower curtain, and you see the shadow over her as she screams, and then you see the knife going down, and Al- Alfred Hitchcock cuts to those quick shots, so you never see it, you know, penetrating her, but it's just you, you, the foreshadowing, and then the the hints of what is occurring is what's really scary. This is really cool. Uh, so Lisa's like, "No, Jack, nothing's wrong. No, father, uh, stepfather." Uh, isn't here just now. Uh, we can talk. So she gives him her address, and um, at that point, they're, they're going to go ahead and meet up. So um, at this point, the monologue continues from Jack. I hung up, and as I glanced at Cowan, something magged at the back of my mind. You got to love that old-timey language. No, except that's not magged. The lettering is weird, and it looks like an M, but it's nagged. Something magged. We're going to go ahead and stick with it. So you know it's nagged, but for the sake of SPC continuity, magged and magging and mag is now a term that we use. So something magged at the back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Back in my mind, and the way she talked, it wasn't like Lisa. Uh, Buck comes over and he's like, she's coming over. Do you think that's wise? I wish I knew, friend. I only wish I knew. Perhaps if I'd known that then what I know, uh, uh, um, perhaps if I'd known now what I know, what, God damn it, I can't read. Okay. 
Breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out. Perhaps if I'd known then what I know now, I'd have done something differently. But how could I have guessed the scene in our Westwood home? How? Uh, so you see Lisa and the stepfather of the two. And then what you see is you see uh, Marlene, uh, Blackgar, her father, and then that like, you know, Quasimodo motherfucker that's with them. And Lisa's like, Dad, are, are, are you sure we? And he's just like, oh, he looks like Hugh Hefner with a little ascot and the, and the pipe. Gotta love the 70s when you could still have smoking in comic books. None of that, young lady. I, I kind of think of her as, as, um, as uh, Lois's father from... I kind of think of this guy as Lois's father from Family Guy. Just kind of stick him here. None of that, young lady. Miss Blackgar has made everything quite clear. You mean Stolen. Precisely, Mr. Russell, we only wish to speak with your uh, son and regain certain properties we think he may have taken. This, this panel is just so funny. This is so 1970s. You, you, got, you got to read this to see it. Um, that's a harsh word, Mr. Russell. Oh, yeah. Uh, so after, after she said regain certain properties, um, the, the asshole stepfather is like, yeah, you mean stolen. And she's like, that's a harsh word, Mr. Russell. And yet, if he did take the book we seek, naturally, we will not seek to prosecute if your son will return it. He will, Miss Blackgar, I promise you. Jack's gotten a little big for himself lately. It's time he taught he was taught a lesson in self-control. Lisa, you're going with him. So at that point, you know that there's some shit's going on. Meanwhile, um, they, uh, I guess Lisa had provided, uh, I'm sorry, Jack had provided Lisa the address of Cowan's home. So she was going to go there, but, um, her father, her stepfather was the one who shadow you saw. So basically now they're going to go ahead and send that, uh, you know, uh, creature from the, what the fuck galoon, you know, um, what the, <laughs> what the fuck lagoon over to go ahead and, uh, take the dark hold from, uh, Jack and Buck. So he goes ahead and knocks down the door and Buck, I, I love this line. He goes, what in the name of purple heaven? Buck, look out as the mongoloid dude goes ahead and, um, you know, smashes the door and starts like attacking people. He goes ahead and like smacks Buck, knocking him out. And I don't know why Jack hasn't turned into a werewolf. I don't know if he has full control of it or if it only comes out when he's a werewolf by night. But as I say it right now, I realize he only becomes a werewolf by night because that's the curse. And that's also the title. So he hears uh, a voice in the background that screams, that's enough, Jack. I said, that's enough. And who is it? It's Lisa. And he turns around and who's Lisa with? She's, uh, she's with Marlene. And then the father, Blackguard, and Jack turns around. He's like, Marlene. And she's like, ah, you remember me, Jack. I'm flattered. We thought you'd forgotten us when you left so abruptly. Father, you remember Jack Russell, the boy who tried to kill you? And this creepy mofo is in a wheelchair still. Like, he, he's like the dude from uh, Phoenix Rising. I, I don't know if it was the second or third Hannibal Lecter movie. I mean, he doesn't have, like, his face eaten and stuff, but he's like the creepy old guy in a wheelchair. Like the creepy old drug dealer father from Breaking Bad. Same vibe. Same vibe. Well, Marlene's not going to go ahead and turn, her, turn Lisa uh, into stone to blackmail her. Uh, I'm sorry, to uh, you know, twist uh, Jack's arm. No, Marlene goes ahead and pulls out a fucking revolver and holds it to her head. And she's like, you have to forgive him, Jack. 
He hasn't been the same since his nasty fall. His spine's crushed. He's been paralyzed from the waist down. Now, be quite motionless unless you want your sister to be as helpless as my father. Jack, please forgive me. Dad forced me. And then we go back into Jack's monologue as I started to answer her. But I started to answer her, but before I could speak, that freak caught me from behind. So basically, the freaky dude knocks her out. They're going to go ahead and drag both of them back to the castle and try and find out where the dark hold is. So at this point, they wake up, and uh, Marlene and Buck are tied to some chairs while Jack is just kind of shoved in a corner, which seems stupid because obviously they know he's a werewolf. Why wouldn't you tie him up? or do something, or kill him. Like, come on, why, why take his friends hostage and just kind of leave him there without any restraints on? That's kind of dumb. But moving forward, I had awoken hours later. Outside the patio doors, the sky was turning a dusky purple. It was almost evening, almost night. And then Marlene is like, nothing, Strug. Oh, Strug is the creepy, like, henchman dude. Strug. S-T-R-U-G, Strug. Okay. He won't matter ever again after this. <laughs> um, nothing, Strug. Are you sure you've searched everywhere? Strug looked, only sent, like before. Yes, like before. Going back to Jack's monologue, she sighed and shook her head. The last rays of sunlight glinted on her glasses, and I knew I had to escape before the transformation occurred. But as I, st- as I started to my feet, the man who had once been Miles Blackguard twisted in his chair and blinked at me. And, and the guy makes like one of those cripple noises. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to hell. <laughs> Miles Blackguard looks at him and he's like, <laughs> so in his mind, Jason is like, he sees me. I've got to make a move. So what does he do? <laughs> he crick, he kicks the cripple. So the guy goes flying in his wheelchair towards Strug, and then he makes another noise. He's like, <laughs> and um, uh, Jack is like, my heart was racing. The room f- was flooded in darkness. Already I felt it beginning. So as he's running away, he also like pimp slaps Marlene. It's just, it's just funny how he just like Sean Connery just smack, just smacks her as he's bolting away. So he's trying to get outside because I guess he doesn't have full control over his... um over his werewolf form yet. So Buck and her are like, Jack, what are you doing? Untie us, Jack. Jack, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Don't you even hear us? And he's like, can't stop. Gotta keep moving. Lisa, and we're back in his mind. Lisa broke off and something about her breathing made me turn. Her eyes were trembling, filling her mouth with tremble. Lisa, I... It was useless. How could I explain? I couldn't waste a second. If I stayed, her very life was in danger. But if I ran, Jack, please don't leave. I, I, I've got to go, Lisa. Heaven help me. I've got to go. So he's just running and he's running. And then eventually he gets into a park and he turns back into the werewolf. And, and you see a cool transformation. It's full page. It, it's just it, it's just awesome. Uh, the coloring, the way you see the tear in his face, the way that he turns from man to werewolf. It's, it's just really cool. Was this what my life had become? An endless race against time. A race to escape not just my past, but my future. The, I, the night offered no answers, and I merely presented the questions framed in the light of an ashen moon. God, I love this. I love whoever. I, I love the dialogue here. This is just, this is perfect inner monologue dialogue. 
It merely presented questions framed in the light of an ashen moon. A mile out of the city, I encountered a tidal pool, exhausted. I sank to the ground and prayed for the release of the unconsciousness, but it never came. So eventually, uh, he turns back into a human, and he's like, the moon's up, it's already begun, and yet I wonder, will Marlene's spell return when I change and stop me from running free? So he's wondering if he'll turn back into, you know, stone because of how, how, uh, how, he had, how he'd been stolen earlier in the issue. Lord, I hope so. I can't stand it, always fearing that this might be the time I'll attack someone innocent, someone like Buck, or heaven help me, my own sister. The rush, it's starting. I can't do that. I'm in a one-bedroom apartment. My neighbors will complain if I do that. So here you see what I think is the coolest transformation. It's three side-by-side panels where you see him slowly really turning into the wolf. And he's like, I'm transforming, getting hard to breathe. Ah, And eventually he turns back into the werewolf, but he's not stone. Luckily, uh, he has some form of consciousness still in his werewolf form. The second night, he has not turned into a stone. So the monologue continues. My eyes burned with the sting of drying tears, tears from another life lost, swallowed into a fierce bestial darkness. Snarling, I ran. Within moments, I found myself in the city where I had found my footsteps guided by a buried memory. Not here, not so close, but yes, I can sense her presence so near, nearer than the forest. Later, the forest first the she. So he's, he's got some ability to think uh, consciously in his human mind, but you can see through the dialogue that the more he's a werewolf, the more he's drifting into this bestial nature. So eventually um, they get back to the place, he finds Strug, and it just turns into an all-out fight. So you see this giant mongoloid dude who looks like, you know, deformed Neanderthal Dolph Lundgren and he's fighting Jack and it's a cool couple pages eventually um you know uh we see Marlene and her cripple father you know the one that was going earlier before Jack kicked him (laughs) and um he's still fighting Strug and what ends up happening is Marlene pulls out her gun and he starts shooting but we can't tell whether or not she shot Jack or whether uh, she shot Strug, but it looks like Jack is knocked out or shot. Strug is still holding him, and he's like, don't need to shoot. Strug have stopped him. Strug would have done what you asked. Hasn't Strug always done what Miss asked? Even when it hurts Strug, I tried. Even against him, against the one who freed Strug. Strug tried, didn't he? And you see him starting to keel over, and he's just like, falling down and he's like hasn't Strug always tried and then you realize that Strug was the one who was shot and Marlene genuinely feels like shit so she looks at him as Jack starts getting back up and she's already blasted through all her rounds she's like oh god so at this point Strug is down um Jack is getting up so she takes off her glasses and she's like uh, this failed once before, Jack. I don't know how, and it doesn't matter. This time you won't escape. So as she takes off her glasses, she's got like these Medusa eyes, and she's like, this time, Jack Russell, you'll die. So he looks away because he remembers, and then he uh, like ducks down, and ironically, in comic book fashion, he's standing in front of a mirror. So she's trying to like turn him into stone. As soon as he ducks down, she looks at herself in the mirror, and she's like, oh, Lord, no, the mirror, the mirror. 
And you see Jack's uh, monologue come back and he's like, then the sting vanished and I heard the two of them scream. So her father was also staring in the mirror. So now Marlene has turned both of them into stone, just like the tale of Medusa where she turns herself into stone. Then her voice was silenced and I knew somehow in my bestial brain, I knew they'd be trouble no more. For both of them, father and mutated daughter, the agony of life was over. The nightmare of hell had just begun. And yet for me, it wasn't over. Something had driven me to return to Buck's house, something my human nature denied, even as I turned a snarl trembling on my lips. And this is actually one of the first times you see up close to his face. It's, it's horrifying. And you know, if you're a fan of the Universal Monsters like me, you definitely know. He turns around and he sees Buck and Lisa. Uh, they were still knocked out. I guess they got pistol whipped or fell asleep. I don't fucking know. And uh, Lisa <laughs> looks up and she's like, Jack, Jack. And we're back to the monologue. Both Lisa and Buck were unconscious, probably a precaution on Marlene's part while she searched the house. But now, moaning, Lisa stirred. Her head lifted. Her eyes fluttered, opened. I just spit on my phone. Ew. Ew. Ew, 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 ew. Okay. We're good. Yes, I do this through my phone. I do it for you, America. It took her a moment to focus. And when she did, and you see him, like, they're like an inch apart face to face. She just starts screaming. She has no clue that her brother's a werewolf by night. So she screams, and Jack just starts running. Her voice choked off. For a long instant, we stared at each other. I felt strange, twisted. Almost my hand came up. Almost I touched her. Almost, but not quite. Nothing here. Woman is gone. Won't hurt me again. Time to run to hunt the forest. At last, the forest. And at this point, he's just running out of the city. He's scaring some people that are in a car. And quickly, he gets um, to a part of a river where you see a waterfall. And he's just, he stands up. And this is probably the one of the best images I've seen in a 1970s comic recently. There's no dialogue in this panel. You just see him in almost a vertical wide shot howling at the moon, but you know he's, you know he's howling, but they don't have a bubble there. You just have to catch the visceral, daunting nature of it. So he starts drinking from the river, and he's like, I bent and drank, welcoming the chill river water, letting it cleanse the stench of civilization from my matted fur. Softly, the clearing ahead, there came a sound. Rising to my feet, I moved forward through a veil of green leaves. The sound stopped. I entered the clearing. There, eyes gleaming of crimson in the moonlight, and the light mist drifting from its nostrils was a buck. And at this point, you know, he's going to go kill that thing. (laughs) Um, Our eyes met, and in that moment, we knew it was done. So he goes and kills the buck. Afterwards, I raced through the forest darkness, and my heart pounding, breath coming in short, violent gasps. And you see him howling, and then you see, like, you know, the little ridge from The Lion King. You see an actual wolf there howling, so he's howling with the wolf. And um, he continues, I came to a barren hillside, a place I'd seen in my troubled dreams, and under a setting moon, in the company of a sleek gray wolf, I howled. And in the morning, I started home. So now you see him looking kind of like Bruce Banner when his uh, you know clothes are all ripped, and it's just him and his 
uh, gray, you know, green pants, because apparently green pants, as we saw in the Chris Claremont X-Men comics, were big stuff, big popular colors in the 70s. Um, at the morning, I started home, nor could I help wondering how much of myself had I left in that emerald haven, that emerald hell. Would I ever know? And if I could, would I want to? So eventually, um, he goes back to... Um, you know, civilization, he meets up with Buck and Lisa, and what they end up doing is they end up selling <laughs> Marlene and her father to an art museum where they're on display, and um, at the end of it, Jack just looks at the statues. As there's a little rope around there, and people are paying to see them. He's like, they were the two most lifelike statues I had ever seen. The end. First off, I want to say that that section where it's like the hero wins but he still has a curse upon him. Like he doesn't get that sweet victory. That's, that's like three pages of him just going full werewolf mode. Jack Russell had left the building and the werewolf has taken over. And then later he gets the satisfaction of seeing that his friend and his sister are safe. And that, um, you know, Marlene and her father, uh, miles black are, are permanently in stone. Um, that that's very, that's a very sophisticated way to tell a story. And I got to say, like, dialogue in a lot of these early Silver Age comics is not the most sophisticated. In the Golden Age, it wasn't very sophisticated either. But this reads like a Mary Shelley book, like a Bram Stoker book. This is pure, sophisticated horror in a self-contained issue, which is the start of this 1972 Werewolf by Night series. I love it. This was awesome. I've been gushing over this book. So let's go ahead and get to a score. The artwork, and I try and judge everything by the context of the time. Who are the other artists that we're competing with? What were the other art styles from this area? I'm going to go ahead and give the artwork a four. I think it's good. Not great. Could be better. Very reminiscent of other artists. But it's still really great. Captures the tone. Really good. Four out of five. For the story, I'm also going to go ahead and give it a four out of five. There's a lot of context missing from the beginning. Um, This is a first issue of a series, but obviously some story had happened prior. We don't know how he really became a werewolf, despite the brief introduction in the inner monologue. It tells you everything you need to know, but it's not clear-cut definitive origin story. Um, Well, people know that these are the same mutants that you would find in other Marvel books, like the X-Men, or are we just supposed to assume that mutant instantly means superpower? At the time, it's pretty clear that all the Marvel books combine, but for the horror stuff, often it was left aside unless it was a major crossover, such as a horror monster crossing over into a Spider-Man, an Avengers, an X-Men book, something like that. So for that, while it's a great self-contained story, still lacks a little bit of context at the beginning, which I don't think is great for readers. However, however, the inner monologue um, writing saves it. It's perfect. I think the story really paces really well. That last um, end of the story in which he just goes full werewolf mode and he's taken away of that sweet victory that many other heroes um, usually get to celebrate. While that uh, is in the Marvel heroic style, this is still a horror book. You know, he doesn't necessarily have powers that are gifted to him. He has a curse. And they remind you very clearly that this curse robs him of his humanity. I'm going to go ahead and give the story a four and a half out of five. So this is a total score of an eight and a half out of 10. Um, Definitely, definitely 
read this if you're looking for a good horror book, especially something in that Silver Age-esque pulp fiction era. I loved it. Definitely recommend. Werewolf by Night, issue one from the 1972 Werewolf by Night series. Folks, thank you for listening to me, a young Latino man, learning how to read. I promise you, I just went ahead and purchased Hooked on Phonics. We will get there eventually. And as always, if you want to go ahead and catch up and just enjoy everything we've got here at the Second Print Comics Nation, please make sure you're subscribed on your podcaster of choice, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening to the show. Definitely, we've got uh, over a hundred episodes and we've got more on our Patreon where you can join it and get access to so much more for as little as $5 a month at patreon.com slash second print pod. I'm Remzo Martinez reminding you this Halloween season, if you want to keep the ghouls and ghosts away, there's one thing you've got to do. It's read comics and change the world. Good night, America. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.